I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, and this episode is with a, a friend of mine. I consider you to be a friend, and is someone who I've known in boxing for probably about six, seven years, about the same amount of time that I've been involved in the media side of boxing. And you've been a professional boxer on and off for pretty much the same period of time. And I thought this was a good chance now that you're coming back into the ring this year to have a conversation about your journey and your experiences and of course your motivations your goals your determinations things that have gone well for you things that haven't gone so well for you so I'd like to introduce Jordan Latimer back onto the podcast and it's a pleasure to have you on Jordan I really appreciate you coming on and and having this conversation with me because I know there's a lot of stuff to delve through there's a lot of good, bad and ugly parts of this episode that are going to be here for people to listen to and, and hopefully they'll get a, a, a true understanding of, of the journey that you've been on. Thank you, it's an honour to be back on mate, honestly, uh, appreciate it, so I look forward to to uh, answering everything you've got to ask. So before we start talking about your career in general, I think the, the big thing to talk about is the fact that you, you are coming back to the boxing ring and you are due to fight in October of this year. So before we go and look back at your career and how things have gone and, and not gone for you, let's just talk about the fact that you are coming back to the ring first and foremost. So how how has this all come about for you? Well, my last fight was uh, 2022, 2020, March 2022, and I've been I've been I've not sports since then. So I've been I've been still training though. I've always trained non-stop. So I've been under the guidance of Matt Jobes in Newcastle. Uh, you might you might have heard of him, and uh, he's he's probably one of the best 
boxing coaches I've, I've trained with technically. Um, and I've, I've been around quite a few boxing coaches in my time. And uh, he's, he's a very good coach. So I was under Sam Kinnock. And uh, I think it's the right time graduating from uni, uh, going on to my master's now in teaching and to be coming back as a home fighter because I've been on the road quite a bit early in my career and, you know, up in Newcastle and the North East I've built up and not so much a following, but like a bit like home for me. So I've, I'm quite comfortable up there. So Matt was willing to sign me as a home fighter, coach me and guide me. He has a big stable, I think, of like 10 pros. So it came about because, you know, I think it's the right stage now to focus on boxing nearing the end of my uni time. And I can give it my all because the only time my losses have come has been when I've had studies to focus on and other life issues. So, yeah. So let's delve back into the history of, of how things have come about for you then, because we did actually sit and record something a couple of years ago. So for the benefit of everybody listening, me and Jordan did sit down and we did a really great interview. And I think that was the best ever interview. <laughs> well, we're going to make it even better, but we did do a really good interview. And what happened, unfortunately, is that the recording got a bit skewed. And as a result, I didn't think it was fair to stick that out. And, and I think it's only right that by us sitting down and having this conversation today about yourself and your boxing career and your, and your life, and your goals and, and what the plans are for you. I think it'd be really good to sort of make it even better now for people listening to understand who you truly are. So just take it all the way back again for me, Jordan. I know this story, but for the benefit of you guys and girls listening, Jordan, just talk about how you got into this sport. So I started boxing when I was around, I think it was eight, 2000, 2000 and, uh, 2007, 2008, when I moved over to Ireland. Um, obviously you can't tell I grew up in Ireland with my accent uh, sorry Mancunian but uh, I grew up there because my family are from there my mum's side which obviously we will call Stoke Allegra as you know uh, I started boxing because I, I lived in lived in a place called County Sligo um, my accent wasn't that fond of so I didn't have a choice but to learn boxing I ended up being good at it making a bit of a career over there well not a career but I ended up winning quite a few titles going through the ranks in Ireland. It was harder to get fights over there because there wasn't as many boxers because it's really small. And I was always tailored to turn pro, especially over in Ireland. We 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 were really focused on the pro style of fighting. I was under great guidance as well on the Stephen, Alan Reynolds and Kevin Mullen at the time. They were quite well known over there. And it really did me such justice to, to do boxing there because I went from quite a shy kid who wouldn't say you know boots or like a shadow you know quite quite timid and i ended up being able to look after myself and that was your journey into boxing and that's how it all started and obviously people that are listening you guys will will pick up on the fact that your uncle's joe gallagher and no 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 not at all but obviously you've got that sort of tie in there haven't you you know with with boxing and you know, people will be familiar with him because of people that he's trained and, and champions that he's yeah. built over the years. So people are, are familiar. So you've got a sort of family tie in there, but you've not really had things the easiest throughout your life. And you've you've really had to come through some adverse moments from pretty much day dot. And, and I think that's kind of shaped you into the person that you've become knowing 
you for the past few years and, and, and seeing your progress from afar as well, it really seems to have sort of shaped you in the, into the sort of man you, you're becoming now. And if you if you want to go back and, and, and just sort of touch on any of that, you know, I think people would really then start to understand, like, you're not just this guy who comes in and out of boxing for various reasons. You're a guy who's got sort of genuine goals and determinations and things in life that they're, they're looking to work towards. But you've had some really adverse moments, haven't you? Yes, I have, yeah. Which ones do you want to talk about first? Well, just 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 set the context for everybody, Jordan. Just let everybody know, like, what's... You know, we've talked about boxing, and I've, I've asked you how you've got into it, and you've kind of told us, as you know, where it's all be, begun. But, you know, there are some other things that have gone on in your life that have really sort of set the scene of, of how your life's then projected out on this path that it's on at the moment. So... I suppose the, the 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 worst, the most adverse thing that you've had to go for is something that I think maybe we should we touch back on again. Yeah, yeah. So when I turned pro, I turned pro obviously under John Murray, um, one of Joe's ex-boxers, ironically. Um, I turned pro on him. I got my license at eighteen, but then fight till I was nineteen. And like my main aim back then, before I even wanted to go to university or anything, I. Uh, my main aim was to try and promote mental health awareness as much as possible. You know, as it, in the amateurs growing up, it was quite difficult, you know, especially in Ireland, you know, mental health back then wasn't spoke about much there. But when you turn pro, you know, I might be not that famous pro or, you know, any hardcore boxer fans nowhere. But, you know, my main aim with John anyway was to try and promote it to as many people as possible anyway. You know, whether it was only help one fan or hundred or a million, then it would at least then you know it's a, it's a sport you can be killed in. So at least a positive can come out of a negative with my father, you know, because uh, my father sadly uh, took his own life when in 1998 when I was a little baby. So for me, it was all about that's why you always see mental health awareness, the ribbons on my shorts. Uh, for me, it was always about trying to prom- trying to promote mental health as much as I could. Well, you know, it was never about, you know, being like, you know, trying to just do it because everyone else is doing it. You know, you know, what a lot of famous people do for the attention. For me, it was just literally trying to spread a message across because growing up, it wasn't just, you know, I, I could see growing up, you know, it wasn't just me that was affected to it. But like, you know, you've got boxers like Darren Sutherland, you know, in Ireland from the Olympics, you know. When he turned pro, he, he, he tragically passed away, I think it was 2009, um, if I'm correct in that date. And like you had like a thorough Gaddy, uh, for instance, who was who was ruled suicide. So you have a lot of, I think, mental health and boxing is quite, uh, not so much as now, but because it's always spoke about more. But, you know, for me turning pro, it was to like try and spread that message of like across, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I think, it's a really hot topic now in, in 2023 and over the past few years because more high-profile boxers have either gone through it or at least used their platforms that they've built up to to promote it. And the one common thing that I've always known about with you is is obviously your background and the, the, the tragedy from day one. Like I said earlier, you know, your father taking his own life for you at such a long age growing up without him and, and having to look for other father figures in life to try and you know 
guide you through those places of difficult times growing up and you know uh, to anybody that that's dealt with that in in their family whether it be a father whether it be a grandfather whether it be a brother a mother a sister whoever there's there's no easy way to 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 live with that there's no easy way to live with that you, you, you as as a human being we have to learn to adapt and and try to live with that but we never really completely get over the pain of what that causes to us as as humans and it's about trying to find things to channel that emotion into that is a positive and trying to turn those negatives into positives and essentially over time that's what you've done as a, as a human being and, and obviously I know how how big you've been into athletics and of course into into boxing as well so you've you've channeled those things into certain things that you actually enjoy and, and have a goal and a determination in to to get to a certain point so with your boxing career it's something that maybe people will go on box rec and look at the uh, the horrendous picture that they've put on there of you by the way they've absolutely no, I, don't know who, <laughs> I don't know who's not giving me justice on that and i don't know who updated that for yeah it, someone's not done me justice after they've done you they've absolutely done you over on the box rec picture and guys listening Go and have a look. It's um, it's not one of your most flattering pictures, unfortunately, Jordan. But it's box reckon. Whoever's stuck that up there is, uh, it's not definitely not doing you any justice. But your career, the, you, people will look at it and go, right, okay. So you know, he's he's what he's five fights into his career. He's he's won his first two, and then he's lost three on the spin. So people might look at that and have a certain perception of you already as a as a fighter, and maybe they look at it and go, on. Oh, you know, well, what's this guy going to be? Is he is he going to be a, a on the road fighter? Is he going to be an away fighter all the time? Is he is he got any goals and ambitions for his career? So this is the opportunity really to sort of talk me and the rest of the people listening through what your career has been like for you, starting off in 2017. So yeah, I moved when I moved over. I moved back to Manchester when I was 17, and my goal was to turn pro because over in Ireland. You know, it's great for boxing, but professional boxing is hit and miss there. Unless you're in the likes of Belfast or Dublin, and they have next to nothing in shows a year for fighters. So we knew that turn pro, we'd have to come back to England, which I did. And I went full time into that when I straight away when I came under the guidance of John, who, ironically, when you mentioned father figures, I still message him today for advice and things, and um, you know, in my life. So so we, we came over, we turned pro at 18, and obviously I just mentioned the goals we had, and won my pro debut, won my pro debut quite comfortably, but I didn't expect this, in fact, against Dwayne Green, and then I remember I had my second pro fight um, against Jade Coran, which was 9-5 and five at the time, you know, he was a domestic level 5 for me, because uh, he was Irish, a South African boxer, and won that very comfortably easy, but after that fight, we, like, well, myself and the family and close friends knew, like, at the lower ranks in boxing, there's not a lot of money in boxing. There isn't, you know, unless you're at, like, Anthony Joshua's level or Floyd Mayweather's level, you know. Um, I think the boxing board on our board meeting when a load of us got a pro licenses together, they, the first thing they said to us, I think 5% of boxers in the world can afford to go full-time without any source of income. And I think 1% can retire with money for the rest of their life. If you could, someone can correct me if I'm wrong in that, whatever the statistics I'm sure I heard. And that put spoke volumes. And at the time I knew I had to go to 
university, um, you know, to have someone to fall back on when I leave boxing. So when I when I went to university, I um, I either it was either take four or five years out uh, with no fights or be active. Okay, so as a boxer at a young age, you know, you want to feel you feel unbeatable, don't you? So I was like, you know what, I need to be active either way. So I knew new one in the northeast to sell tickets anyway. So I was like, it, there was no point even trying that, and you know, there was no point trying to get sponsors in Manchester because that would be no benefit to them for shows in the northeast at all anyway. So I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. That's why we went on the road um, a little bit while I was at university. Well, I had to put education first and foremost because that'd be what I'd fall back on. And um, I think I think a lot of the times the losses in the career are quite un- well, are just not justifiable. But like as a casual fan looking, you as they would say, they'll call you a bum, wouldn't they? You know. But I think I think professional boxers are very uh, unappreciated at any level. You know, whether you have no wins out of five hundred fights or you have, you know, a million wins. I think I think it's quite unjustifiable. But you know, I, I went to university, and uh, at at the time. Actually, you, you will see um, on my fight against Graham McCormick, that was my best best pro performance. That should have won that fight. But uh, I had I had the mental health ribbon and had the uh, pregnancy infant loss ribbon. So um, in 2016, my mum sadly uh, lost lost my uh, brother Charlie late, late in the pregnancy. So uh, very late. So I. Um, at the time, going to university was a great decision for me. It got me away from Manchester. My dad lost him, like Charlie. That that was his name. So that's why I have Charlie on my shorts as well. Um, and for me, yeah, Sunderland was a great move for me, and it's made me rebuild a lot. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that was the first bit of my career before I took the dog fight. Yeah. What is it you're studying at the moment? Uh, physical edu- well, I've just graduated in July from physical education and youth sport. Um, I got a two-one, which I was uh, really pleased with. So I'm a little bit smart, you could say. Um, and I'm on my PGCE 
uh, in September, summer teacher training year, you know, to get qualified teacher status and then, uh, but I'll be specializing in SENS, special needs and disability. And I'll be doing a master's in, well, finish because you get half a master's with your PGC. So I'll be finishing that off in SEND after. So you've got a really good fallback plan in place then, haven't you? For when, <laughs> for when, but, but well, you put in the work in that's the thing you know you you look at what you've said you've started off very young in in boxing and you know it it hasn't treated you the greatest and and some of the statistics you throw out there you know uh, are scarily accurate in terms of of how many boxers do go on to end up being able to live a comfortable life either with just money alone or, or with the faculties intact as well there's a lot that well, there just isn't anything out there for boxers for once they retire. If they don't have a backup plan and they don't have a a, a, a second career lined up after that, and they're not fortunate enough to go into any type of commentary or punditry or work in the media themselves, then, you know, I've seen ex-world champions, and I know of a few ex-world champions. You probably know maybe some of them that I'm, I'm, I'm alluding to. Those in particular from Manchester, you know, those that give us some absolutely fantastic nights 20, 25 years ago and, and now kind of just living in in a way which you wouldn't be expecting them to live. You know, you'd expect them to be like, yeah, that was that was once WBC champion, put some great fights on for Manchester, one of the Manchester boys, and, and, and now this person doesn't seem to be living the same life that you would expect them to live. And there isn't really a lot out there for boxers in, in the aftermath of a boxing career. Ringside Charitable Trust does just some excellent work uh, to help those that really need the help, but nobody shouts enough about it from the rooftops. And other than us and Boxing News, uh, I don't see many other boxing media outlets really promoting what Ringside Charitable Trust do. So when you're at a younger age like yourself, where you're looking at essentially two careers, one being a professional boxer and the other going on to be a physical education teacher in, in special educational needs, then, you know, you've you've got to kind of look at the options that are put in front of you based on, on what it is you're trying to achieve out of life. So, you know, what you're doing is making sure that you've got something in place for when your boxing career comes to its natural end. But with your boxing career, we stopped at talking at the John Doherty fight and that's where we'll return to now because... I think this, for me, looking from the outside in into into your boxing career and your life, this was kind of the moment where it started to feel like it was going a little bit wrong for you. It wasn't going the way you wanted it to go. You took that fight, uh, you took the opportunity because it was presented to you. At the time, John Doherty was being... Well, he was being hyped up, weren't he? He was being, he was being put out there. He was, you know, one of the next best prospects in the UK and... You know, it was a big thing and you took that fight and in that fight, it really didn't go the way that you wanted it to go and and you got stopped in the fight. And I think you did seem to get a lot of criticism from people. You were mentioning it earlier about people calling fighters bums and, and things like that. And I think social media has made people too comfortable with that sort of stuff. And I think you were one of those targets at that moment in time in 2018 when you had the John Doc fight where... I remember you kind of being subjected to it from just random people. So what what was what was that period of time like? The fact that you you obviously took a loss uh, and it was not in the greatest of fashions, but then also the aftermath of it and the people that kind of don't even know you, but then just jump on your back and and, and call you all sorts of names because you took a loss in that fashion. 
Yeah. Well, I just after starting uni at the time in the September, and uh, uh, I was enjoying myself at uni. To be fair, you know, it was my first time away, you know, etc. And I remember, I remember the flight offer came in, and for me, it wasn't about the money. I got paid next to nothing for it anyway. But like, you can't say it was for the money because there's no money in it anyway. But I I remember taking that. To me, that going back to one of the first points you mentioned, it was going back. It was a great, perfect TV opportunity to promote mental health, myself as a fighter. And of course, I, w- I would love to be signed by Matrium, of course. And, you know, you dangle that on a thing to a 20 year old lad, you know, <laughs> he's, he's going to take that. He's going to take, he's going to take that, you know, and um, it, it wasn't about the money. You could probably offer every 20 year old in the country a fight on, on, on Sky at the time when Matrium was with them that, they would all take it on the spot, you know. So, so for me, but it was the wrong decision. My lifestyle at the time was wrong. Uh, you know, I, I probably should have I've last well, last probably four years out for uni to focus fully. Uh, but I didn't afford to stay active as well, and I, I was I was terribly underweight for the fight, you know. And I, sh- I shouldn't I shouldn't have been in there. For me, it was tough to take a loss. I struggled big time. Taking the loss, and really, did. I'm not going to lie. An undefeated young lad at 20, he's going to really struggle. It really hit me hard. Um, um, I don't think I've ever cried as much in all my life, to be honest. But it's, it took a lot. It's a bit of pill to swallow. So, you know. But when, you know, when you, you think of it like you think about not just your mistakes going into fight, other people's mistakes who, who who led into that as well. So, but when you think like when you think of it like that, you know. You just get to get up, move on. You know, people will always say stuff whether you're winning. People will always say stuff whether you're losing. So why does it matter? It's not their career anyway, you know. Most of the time, it's people who are not in your level that will say stuff about you anyway. That low, you know, I think. I never even read through YouTube anyway, you know, the stuff on it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, for, for me, it was really tough. It took me a long time to get over that. It really did. And that's why I took a long time to uh, make that comeback. And then it's Graham McCormack. I was going to say, you know, that that ties in with the fact that you then spent, what, three years out of the ring, near enough three years out of the ring before you did return against Graham McCormack. And, you know, during during that time, you know, we had probably many, many reasons why it was difficult to get back into the ring. You've got, obviously, university going on. You've got everything uh, in your personal life happening there. Then, obviously, COVID hits the world in 2020 and, everything just goes absolutely bananas and, and boxing shows are then they're not on for for a while then they do go on then they're very limited and the opportunities for fighters are very limited at this point in time and then you make your return in September of 2021 against Graham McCormack so what prompted you to make the decision then after three years out of the ring to come back well during lockdown I start training again uh I was doing like 30, 40 kilometer runs, ironically, quite a lot. Uh, I was training heavily and I had missed boxing. And shortly after lockdown ended, before the second lockdown, I was training a bit on the John Waters during that summer because there was like these restrictions. And I remember training and John always gives me the confidence to beat anyone, if I'm honest. And I just remember I missed this. I missed this, you know, uh, my career is not, you know, struggles to end like this, you know. So I thought, you know what, I, I can't retire and then look like when I'm 45 and things. You know what, I should have, I should have I, I fought again, you know. Like, it's a fight, isn't it? You know, that, it happens. You know, every boxer gets a wake-up call in the career. Usually it's in the amateurs, but I just guess I was one of the unlucky ones. 
So I thought, you know what? Uh, I remember in, I think it was the December 2020, if I'm correct, um, uh, I thought Dale Arrow Smith put a post on social media and I was friends with him. And I messaged him and said, I think I'd take a comeback. I said, would you manage me? You know, I don't, I don't know. I was in contact with him over the summer and he said, yeah, I'll manage you, yeah. Um, so I remember I come home in the studio because I was away working for a little bit and I was in really fit shape. I was ripped. And I went back training on the John. I had my manager's contract signed by Dale. And uh, to be fair to Dale, you know, he's, he's still a really close friend of mine. Um, and he found it so, so difficult to get me fired. He was trying for like four months and no boxer would fight me because they were saying, you know, they didn't know how I was going to be. Uh, you know, and I, I looked in too good shape, I think, at the time. So it really struggled to get me, you know, a fight against like a live opponent because, you know, in my career, you know, I've never, I've never really wanted to fight journeymen so much. No disrespect to them, but I've always wanted to compete at the highest level possible, whether I win or lose. You know, when I retire, you know, I want to, you know, say, you know what, I fought the highest level possible boxer I could in my division. Do you know what I mean? And so Dale tried his best to do that. And the I was supposed to fight a, two, a week earlier or something against Dan Catlin. Uh, he was the only one that would accept to fight me. Him or um, Shaquille Thompson, I got offer off. And uh, I said Dan Catlin because there was a bit of rivalry was. And I said, I'll do it. But then the board pulled the fight because they had issues with medicals uh, from the NHS. It caused a lot of problems. It was nothing serious. It was fine. The board apologised. And that side got cancelled due to that. It wasn't our fault. Um, and then I had the McCormick fight the week later because uh, I've always wanted the McCormick fight. We had, you know, beef since 2019. So uh, Sam, Sam Kinnock in Scotland, who yeah, ended up becoming a future manager, he he had no opponent for uh, Graham. So I said I'd come in and fight him on, uh, I think it was three weeks notice. Uh, but I had been training for four months anyway. Why did you end up with beef for Graham? What was the story behind it? Well, at a well, when I see him throw, uh, my first after my first pro fight, obviously my Irish background, Graham and myself were in the same division. We turned pro roughly at the same time, and obviously over an island, like especially when you want to fight for the Celtic belt, you you there's a lot of fifty fifty fights because you know the fights end up being cheaper, and you know you might you go the rankings on box rep for instance a lot faster when you'd have 50-50 fights or you know it's just how it works so me and Graham beefed up we wanted to fight each other for ages it didn't happen the fight because you know man, I think it was probably to do with management didn't want the fight they wanted to guide them into other directions so we're always having tip for tats online you know I think we did a few Instagram lives with each other and you know I always fancied my chances against them I really did. I loved his style of fighting. I really think it was suited for the good old John Murray style. Uh, Wars, that's my style of fighting. It still is, you know. And, yeah, and, you know, he, he won the Celtic belt, etc. I wanted to fight him big time. You know, he was 5-0 at the time, and I, I thought his record was, was overhyped, and that was the truth. You know, don't get me wrong, he's a lovely lad. His whole team are got good respect for them, but I really thought that. You know, my record wasn't really just justified, you know, considering my opponents I had fought. So you said earlier, 
that this fight in particular has probably been the one that you've boxed the best in your career today. Now, obviously, on paper, you lost that fight on points and you lost by a couple of rounds. But if you are the away fighter, you're naturally already behind. As an away fighter, you're not always expected to win these fights. Let's be honest, like people who who follow this sport and people who listen to our podcast, they they know we talk about this quite a lot when we talk about previews for shows and we talk about when prospects fight journeymen and, you know, not saying that you were a journeyman at this point, but I'm just suggesting that as an away fighter, you're naturally expected to to be on the, the, the losing end of that particular fight. However, you said it was the best performance of your career to date. And, and why do you think that was? Do you think it was because of what you said earlier where it was the style and the styles clashed and the styles, well, styles gelled so well? I think, I think you know, that, that summer, I was really training full-time. I quit my job at the time, working part-time, and I was really invested. I didn't care if I lost money in it. And I was really training my heart out all day, every day. And for me, I think everything that happened in the past, I really just wanted, you know, to... It wasn't to prove to anyone, in fact, that, you know, I was a good fighter. It was to prove to myself that, you know, I, I had it in me. And I'd went up in weight at the time. The fight was at 164, 164 pounds, which was quite heavy at the time for myself. And... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For me, I went into that ring and uh, we actually had a big, big, like, bust up in the changers before it. A uh, big, huge argument between the teams. I don't think anyone, not many people know that, but we had a big clash uh, with McCormick and his team. And I was really hyped up for it. I had Louis Arrowsmith from corner. You know, he's always uh, a good hype man. Uh, if anyone knows him, uh, he's a great coach for me. And Dale, Dale. Dale Arrowsmith, I think, was in my corner as well. Shrill, he recorded it on my phone for me. And, and for me, it, you know, it was I was really hyped up for especially in that it was the worst thing he could have done was get me pissed off because I just went into, like, difficult John Murray mode, how, you know, I was bred to fight. And, you know, it brought back uh, a lot of memories, like, of how hard the amateur days were. You know, for me, I couldn't retire after dog fight because I think it was an insult on everyone who had 
betray me and said I'd go very far in the pros. And everyone that had supported me, family, everyone, I think it was an insult and then into leaving it as that. It was a waste of time for everyone. So for me, coming back, doing that win, you know, I, I, I beat him that fight. And that's why at the time, Sam Kinnock signed me straight after the fight. You know, uh, my next fight was under his his banner. So I, I, th- I think that proved quite a lot that, you know, yeah, I should have had the Paul Keane fight after that fight that McCormick had for the belt. I should have, I, I should have, I should have, I, I should have had that fight. You know, in my opinion, I, you know, it, I should, his his career declined after my fight. Whether he wants to admit that or not, he's lost. You know, he, he's declined. I took a lot of out out of him that fight, and I think my fight was probably his hardest ever fight. So that led you on to being signed by Sam Kinnock, uh, obviously very well-known, yeah. very well-known promoter in, in Scotland, of course, and you take your next fight in March of 2022, and it just doesn't go to plan, does it? It just doesn't no. work out at all the way maybe you had envisioned that your next fight would pan out, because you must have been, even though you lost against McCormack, you must have felt like the confidence levels were rising because you know you, yeah. you you say it now you say it now a couple of years down the line that was my best performance I should have won that fight and we know how boxing works sometimes we know how the home fighter can be given the decision regardless of how well the away fighter fights sometimes that is part of the sport that we just cannot escape and it's something you has to go part and parcel with it so you come off the back of that fight with with probably all the confidence in your boxing career knowing that it was the right decision to come back. And then the fight against Fraser Wilkinson just really doesn't go that way you wanted it to go. It was in, in, in probably the word to use would be a little bit disastrous for you. Talk me through that then and tell me what actually went down there and what was the build up like? Was there any problems? Did anything cause problems in that fight? Because it was it was a fight where you go into it, you get dropped three times in the fight, the fight gets stopped. And you're losing the first round, and it's 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 for a boxer, it's it's quite disastrous. Well, yeah. So after the McCormack fight, I did have a scheduled fight against a guy called Owen O'Neill. Uh, the fight got called off due to the weight issues on the fight. I I was too heavy for the fight, and that should have been a wake up call for that one. So after the McCormack fight, we naturally thought, okay, it's a like a situation where, you know. We stay this high, go to the full super middleweight, or we go down to super welterweight, or even a little bit lighter, and the power will uh, follow down. So that's why I had two options. I could have fought at super middleweight, light heavyweight, or I could have fought down at super welterweight. Dan gave me them two options. He did, to be fair, uh, and I chose to go down to super welterweight. It was a bit of a trial and error situation because... I hadn't been in the ring as much, or uh, so I thought. Do you know what? Let's try and see if my power comes down. You know, I should have known from my amateur days because I fought at ninety-one kg when I was sixteen. You know, I fought at heavier weights all the time. You know, but I, I, you know, it was, it was a mistake from my behalf. In fact, you know, not anyone else's. Um, and you know, you know, fair play to Wilkerson, we took advantage of that. But I. I went too light in weight. You know, I really, really struggled to make super well to wear. I think I weighed overweight for it, in fact, still, but I'd lost quite a lot of weight quite fast. And I think you can tell by the photos of the fight, my muscle mass wasn't there. I looked quite drained and I looked weak. And, you know, 
And and to be fair, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's punches didn't hurt me that way. Um, they, and my stomach was cramping quite a lot, and uh, it hit me in the cramping bits in your stomach when you when you di well when you lose weight quite fast. You know your body becomes weak naturally. So um, that was that, and um, I actually didn't think the fight should have been stopped in the first round personally, but um, it is what it is, um, and. He did well, you know, and I, I think he's become Scottish champion within a year or something, Scottish area champion, so bad length to win. But I, I think if he fought me my, my normal way, I don't think he would have stopped me. But obviously we know now to go back up and wait. That was just a trial and error situation, and uh, that was my mistake to help that lot. Yeah. And that's that's, that's fair enough of you to, to openly sort of say, look, you know, I, I messed up. My decision, I messed up. I tried something, it didn't work. Uh, it was an error as part of the trial and, and you go back to the drawing board and then you decide what you're going to do next. So we mentioned at the top of the episode about you getting back into the ring again. After the loss to Fraser, was there any doubts about you getting back in the ring again or was it always your intention to get back in the ring again? I had quite a few fights offered and accepted. I was going through a few injuries. Um, a lot of boxers wanted to fight me, especially at the higher weights. Um I was struggling. I did the Great Manchester Half Marathon, uh, part of Great Manchester 10K. I did the Half Marathon on May and um, her Matt Achilles tendon. So um, I was training for fights and then it would come back. So um, it's took me about probably just over a year now to get over that injury. So um, the, the intention was always there. There was loads of fights. I was supposed to, I was supposed to fight quite a few lads, you know, from Dominic Donegan, um, we had scheduled, we had that thing after we've had two fights with each other, but um, due to like say injuries, etc., we're, we're not willing to get that on. So, quite a lot of fights that we've uh, were there. So, I've just been trying to, um, you know, heal it properly now, and I've really rested it properly. So, that's why it took over a year, it's just been through injury that. So, and that's why we're returning at what I think it's 175 light heavyweight for the next fight so that's a big jump up in it really from from where you originally started out in your professional career now obviously i know you're getting older um you're a few years older than what you was now and 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 naturally your weight is going to go up and it is going to be harder to to compete at a a lower weight so the decision making process will obviously tell us the story when you you get involved in October in this fight, but have you got any res- any sort of reservations about going up, you know, for, for, for that weight? Or do you do you do you feel confident that moving up and putting on the extra little bit of lean mass is, is actually gonna give you more power within your punches, it's gonna give you more better conditioning with with the way you train. Uh, and actually, you know, it could be beneficial for you. Is, is there a method behind the thought process of, of going up to one seven five? It's never, it, my fitness, everything, no matter what weight I've been at, I've always had superb fitness. Anyone that knows me as an athlete will tell you the one thing I know for, I'm always fitter than the person across from me. So my fitness, you know, always probably was always my gout or jail card, no matter my weight, even when I fought at 91 in the 91 kg, the amateurs and 86 kg. So that was never an issue. You know, I've always been naturally about one eight. In the 180s, I always have, you know, and that's looking lean. I probably don't look like a uh, that weight at all. But for me, uh, 
you know, I'll be coming down to make either super middleweight or light heavyweight. So I'll be coming down anyway. It's not that I've had to put on weight, so to speak. So I'm, I've always been on the weight quite a lot through my life. And, you know, I like being bulky, you know, and I beat, you know, that that's always been me. I've always liked to feel strong and be strong. I think, I don't know, if it's probably more psychological than me that if, you know, if I look big, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to outpower. I've always been the one that wants to bully the opponent, outpower them. And for me, that gives me the edge. So, so yeah. So you fight in October then. It's, it's something that I know you've been preparing for. And as you've said, you sort of coming towards the end of university and, and the fallback plan as well. So is this now allowing you more time and, headspace to be able to put more focus into your boxing career and I'm not saying you were never focused but I I understand that when you're trying to juggle so many different things that it's always going to be a, a problem for any one individual to be able to juggle all these things at once and fully be 110% committed to the cause to be able to get up and do the early morning work and to be able to get in the gym in the morning then possibly again in the afternoon do you think now with the way your life's transitioning that actually this could be a more optimal time for you now to fully focus on the boxing career? Absolutely. So after graduation, you know, I've, I've done four hard years to get that degree. And obviously boxing has been my first career overall. And I wouldn't have been able, well, I wouldn't have gone to university without boxing probably. I would have gone down a different career route probably and so for me you know you know you know boxing takes more lives than it you know no boxing creates more lives than it takes sorry i said that wrong uh so for me but boxing was my first career you know and um absolutely especially on my pgce you know it's a tiny bit more funded so i don't have to work as much while alongside a degree so obviously a pgc is very um intense but i can train five four or five days a week with with Matt now, I don't have to like work extra jobs as much. And absolutely, you know, I'm 25 now, so you know, we we want to push on and try get as many fights as possible. Try get to the highest, you know, highest level possible. You know, we want to you know push for area titles. You know, BUI Celtic title leader. You know, I've got our options of two of them, and you know, in the northern area as well. I think that's realistic. There's not as many fighters, so. I think it is the right time, you know, I'm 25 now and I'm probably more mature with my training, you know, I've probably grown into a proper man now, you know, I'll probably hit harder, you know, you can ask that to my sparring partners for this fight coming up, but we'll see, I, I think I do, you know, I, you know, in the amateurs, you know, I used to stop people, you know, at the higher weights, so we'll see, I, I think, I think I'll be able to stop quite a few people a little bit higher in weight, but, you know, that's easy to stop and done when I get hit by punches as well at that weight, so, you know, I'm not saying that I want to be a world beater or anything, but I can say is, you know, I'll give him a best shot and I'll see how far I can go. And that's all you can do, isn't it? Like, if you can reach a, a goal, if you set a goal in mind and you can reach that goal, regardless of what happens following that, nobody can take that away from you. So, you know, the ambitions of looking at the BUI Celtic titles, uh, area titles is... is is a realistic, realistic goal. And I think it's realistic for you, given 
the the level of opposition you've had throughout your career so far. You've only had five fights, but you've fought guys that have gone on to win area titles and guys that have gone on to compete in 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 much more high profile fights. So, you know, if you've been able to share the ring with those guys and in in some instances be able to outbox them, you know, there's definitely confidence to take away from there that when you're in a position where you can everything can sort of sit right for you in 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 life and with your training then really this is kind of like the optimal time now for you it, it it feels like now might be the time where although you've had a rocky road in your boxing career this might be the time where things start to settle down for you and actually we might then get to see everything that maybe other people have seen when they've trained alongside you or, or they've sparred with you or they've just observed from afar within the gym people can see so much good work that goes on in gyms and, and not all of that work translates into the ring when things don't go right and it is always a shame we get some of the most talented guys in the gym don't always transition over or, or are able to transition over for various reasons but it feels a little bit like with with your journey so far that this might actually be the optimum time for you and you know I don't think you will uh I don't think you'll have a difficulty in, in getting further fights because I think people are automatically going to have this perception of you, as I said quite earlier on, that they'll look at your record, they take one look at it, they'll take one look at the, the fights where it hasn't gone well for you and go, well, actually, yeah, this this could be a guy that we could, you know, we could sort of pick, you know, cherry pick, so to speak. You know, people yeah. can look at that and go, ah, we could take this guy. And then what's happening on your side is that actually, you know, you're at the the best time of your life and, and this is where your boxing career starts to take its upward trajectory so it, it feels like there's a lot more left of your story to tell um before it's all said and done with your boxing career i don't i don't think it's i don't think it started if i'm honest you know you know i believe i'll have quite a few fights Um i hope i get into double figures anyway and you know i, I have matt you know matt jobs to thank for a big time uh, to, you know, for, for training me and that, and actually, uh, why they give me a chance? Because a lot of people would have been like, "Nah, you know, we'll get, you know, we'll get a bigger ticket seller, etc." And uh, you know, uh, I hope I can win, you know, winning the title one day. But you know, with fighters that you know want to cherry pick, you know, they can, you know. But I, I think I've always been quite avoiding. I don't know, I don't know. You know, I've been trying to push for quite a lot of fights in the past. Really, have I think boxers do, and. We'll see how we'll see how far it goes. I, you know, I I hope it goes well. You know, I've got a little baby daughter now; she's one years old. I don't know if you know that. Um, so I'll be getting shorts done with her name on it. But being like, the, I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, but it'll be like sequin plan pick Barbie thing with Barbie style writing for her. So, so yeah. So for me, like she loves boxing. and she watches it every every weekend with me on the TV and that. Like she's she's like hypnotized to it. So she'll be at the fight as well. So uh, hopefully I can um, win a few fights uh, for that little girl. Absolutely. So there's so much to to look forward to with, with you, not just with what happens in your boxing career, but obviously it's good to, to, to hear what's going on in life for you as well. And, you know, the fallback plan's there. There's always something behind you, no matter what happens with your boxing career. And for those that, you know, are listening to, to, to our conversation, listening to your story, listening to, you know, the, the the real sort of truth behind what's gone on with you 
you know, if they want to actually follow this journey moving forward, where can they find you on social media to, to follow you and, and see the progress of your, your boxing career? I've always been open to speaking to um, any any boxing fans. Anytime, you know, the boxing fans message me, I've always spoken to them, whether that's on a, like, one message basis or, like, in the past, I've had quite quite a few boxers when they've seen, a, not boxers, sorry, but fans, casual fans who, who've seen the same mental health awareness on my shorts, you know, applaud me for it. And I've had a lot of, I've had quite a few fans open up to me about mental health and, I've, you know, I've created friends out of that as well so I've never you know they can message me in any kind of context regarding that you know I'm always open to talking whether that's on the phone or message and you know so like even on Facebook I'll you know I'll I'll still have you know whether I know the box in front or not I'll still have them as my friend on it you know Twitter as well Instagram I'm on the wall obviously yeah Twitter is at Jordan Latimer and Facebook is Jordan Michael Latimer because my my profile out to my my middle name as well. So so yeah, I'm quite easily found, I think. I think it comes up straight away when you search my name and on Google social medias. Um so so yeah, it, for me it's always open my social medias for anyone. It's even asked me any questions. I think I think I had one fan say I'm really open about boxing, you know, the, how it how it like how it is, you know, um, any question that's asked I'll open truth I'll answer truthfully about and that's what people like, and that's what people want is transparency within things like this. <laughs> <laughs> as difficult as that can be at times, it is really good to get it, and it's been really good to to reconnect and and hear your journey and and hear some of the those additions to that journey that you've been on uh, since the last time we connected in this way. So it's yeah. it's been a pleasure having you on the show and 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 learning more Thank about. You what your journey is and and I'm excited for you and I've always been an advocate of what you've been doing because we've had conversations not on the podcast about mental health and we've had conversations about trying to start things up and do things potentially to help other people so you know if if anybody does listen to this and and feel like you know they want to open up to either one of us or they want to just have a conversation about that or just any any other ways in which that can be you know, promoted, then obviously just reach out to any one of us and, and I'm sure one of us will be glad to sort of get back and, and try and do our best to, to help in whichever way possible because it is a huge, huge issue at the moment and I think it's something that, you know, more people should really be advocating because it is uh, it is really difficult. It is a really difficult time to be living in. People are struggling with, with just general household bills and, and struggling to to, to, to eat sometimes and, and it is it's hard so you know it's good that people like yourself Jordan and, and people like us me and Johnston we have this platform to kind of promote different things on so guys if you see it please make sure you share it please make sure you do your likes your retweets your shares your add to your stories whatever you can do to support uh, Jordan and his boxing career any promotion in mental health it is really really appreciated but Again, one final thank you for you, Jordan. Thank you for coming on the show and thank you for taking the opportunity to to talk about all this stuff again and bring it back out and basically let people know who you really are. No, thank you. Uh, I think I think you're the only interviewer that's you know like not wanted to ask, but you know been willing to you know talk openly about mental health or ask me them direct questions or felt felt comfortable in asking them. Uh, so I'm happy about that because I've always been open about it. So, so yeah, 
So uh, thank you for that as well. And I appreciate the opportunity coming on. Thank you. Well, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. You know where to find us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter or BTR Boxing Podcast on every other available platform. Please, when you see this episode live, when you see Jordan's story go live, just make sure you like and share it, like and retweet it. And as we say, add it to your stories. We'll put little audio notes out there. We'll put little audiograms, everything that we can do to promote it. We will certainly do that. But that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. The dream is made real. Ricky Howard rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.